Hello and welcome back to Sequel Pitch. We're back. Yeah. It's the podcast where film loving friends watch a movie that doesn't have a sequel and then have a competition pitching their their best ideas for one. Uh, I am a celestial godlike creature, but I'm humble enough to say it's God with a small G. I'm Andy Henry. (laughs) Yay! I'm back. Uh, and joining me is someone who is also only one inch tall until he walks up and reveals he's seven feet of northern godliness. It's Matt Russian. <laughs> yeah, I'm back, baby. <laughs> someone who is naive like a child and beautiful on the inside, but hideous on the outside. It's true, Point B. Hello, hello. I am pleased that I am ugly. And someone who took the wrong turn driving home and had to drive through a quantum asteroid field to be here. It's Ross Palmston. <laughs> There you go. Uh, That's you going through the field, or was that you just getting comfy? Affection. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was me warming up. We are back, and we're bigger, and our pitches are badder than ever before. We are just like the heroes from the movie we we watched this episode. It's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yay! Yay! Is that like badder as in like worse, or badder as in like we are ghetto boys bad, man? Let's let the listeners decide after the episode, (laughs) shall we? (laughs) Cool, cool. Glad it's not us. (laughs) So if it's been a while since you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, then don't worry. We got you. We're wait here the two hours and 17 minutes it takes for you to watch the movie. So go on, crack some popcorn. Have fun. We'll be here. Yeah, I didn't think this through. All right, quick recap. (laughs) The Guardians of the Galaxy are hired to protect valuable batteries for the Sovereign race, but after Rocket decides to steal some, the Sovereign race almost kill the Guardians until they're saved by a mysterious figure who introduces himself as Ego, a godlike celestial, and Quill's father. Father and son bond as Ego teaches Pizza how to use his celestial powers, and during a fight between Gamora and Nebula, where the two sisters start to reconcile their differences, we discover e- Ego is evil! Shock! Oh my god! And he has spread his seed on thousands of worlds, impregnating countless aliens in hopes to take the worlds over. He hired Yondu to bring the children to him, but, after, uh, but killed them after learning that they didn't possess the celestial power he needed. We learn uh, that he put the tumour in Quill's mum's head, and so Quill and Ego fight as Baby Groot sets off a bomb, killing Ego and the celestial side in Quill. Quill nearly dies uh, in the explosion, but is saved by Yondu, who sacrifices himself and reveals after finding out why Ego had hired him to save Quill and raise him as his boy. And then during a post credit scene, we see the Sovereign Race leader create a new artificial being that they will use to kill the Guardians, naming him Adam. So, if you want to hear our full review and probably geek out on Marvel for a bit, head over to patreon.com forward slash sequel pitch. But for now, we're just going to go around and get everyone's quick thoughts and scores out of five. So, let's start with Mr. Naive. Drew, how'd you like the movie? Well, I was a little bit middling on this when it first came out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now it, it may be because I'm speaking as a new dad, although not the newest dad on the podcast anymore by a long way at this point. <laughs> this movie absolutely rocks my freaking world. I yeah. think it's hilarious. I think it's beautiful. I cried. I laughed. I thrilled. And it's five harbulary batteries out of five for me. Hands wow. down. Big old five. Get in there. Top of the board. Fair enough. All right, then. Uh, Ross. When it first came out, I was like, meh. Now, watching it again, similar to Drew, I love this movie. Um, it's got some 
amazingly heart-wrenching moments along with the comedy as well um some question of like some weirdly some really good cgi and then some not so much (laughs) good cgi that's interesting yeah, I'll, 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 if you want to know we, my we'll fault, discuss, then yeah. you'll find out <laughs> in the um, Patreon. But yeah, amazing performances, great arcs for some of the characters. I'm going to give it, oh, do I give it a full five? Do I give it a full five? Well, the, the, the first one would be a five. So with this one, oh, I'm going to give it a 4.9 out of mm. five. Yeah, for me. Wow. Very good, nine. strong recommendation. Oh, fucking Drew's trying to hog the spreadsheet and put the scores on the board. All right, then. Are you hosting <laughs> this episode, are you? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> well. I, I normally have to do it whether I'm hosting or not. No, I know. We always just, no, we always just lean on you anyway. But hey, I, was, I was actually prepared. We've been off for a lot of time. I've had the spreadsheet ready for like six weeks. Let me do my okay. fucking job. All right. All right. Yeah, you go for it, mate. Fuck, I lost it. No, it's here. It's all right. Uh, all right, 4.9 for Ross. Matt. Don't let us down. Nah, like I the first time I watched it, yeah, I was I was like, yeah, very good sequel. As sequels go, this is how you do a sequel. The more you watch it, the more you pick out on all the little nuances. Chris Pat's performance is amazing. Michael Rook, I've never really seen him in anything emotional before. And like his development of Yondu was incredible. So yeah, all the heart wrenching stuff, all the stuff you have to kind of watch and you kept on the edge of your seat throughout it. It doesn't feel that slow, even though it is a two-hour, 15 movie. I think they filled the time well. Um, so, yeah, don't really fault it. Back when Marvel was A-star, you know, it's kind of slipped <laughs> off at the moment. But back when this was like A-star, S-rank, when it was an S-rank franchise. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm going to give it five whistles of mass destruction out of five. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, shit, I forgot to do the five out of shit. Oh, go on, shit. quick, get in, get in now. I can't think of one now off the bat. Uh, 4.9 uh, Drax throwing up because he doesn't fa- uh, he thinks that um, <laughs> thing he fancies uh, him. <laughs> oh, poor Mantis. 4.9 throw ups. Yeah. Oh, and then just like a bit in the mouth and like, oh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like this movie when it first came out. I I think when it first came out, people didn't... I don't know if had the problem was is the wrong way of putting it, but I think people were like, oh, it's not a big, like, end of the world, end of the universe kind of film. It's more of a character-driven, learn about, you know... And I like that anyway. I thought it was well done anyway. So my view hasn't changed anyway. I'm still going to give this... I'm going to be like Ross, I think, as well. I'm going to give it a 4.9. Uh, I think it's just... Uh, I love, I do love the first one, so it, I, I don't know if I can give them both both fives. So four point nine taser faces uh, out of five. For <laughs> I actually think I prefer the second to the first. You know, we'll get into it. But I haven't yeah. seen the first in a while, so I'm, I probably I don't know. I might now go. Oh, actually, I prefer the first. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it in the review section. But anyway, what was the score? Anyway, um, Drew. Oh, it's me, isn't it? Uh, four point nine five. We're back, baby, and we're <laughs> slicker than ever. <laughs> after after taking ten minutes to argue about the responsibilities of the host, you <laughs> forgot. Four point nine five. Let's move on. A big big recommendation for us. I think we're it's it's needless to say we're all excited all excited about the third one. Right, I've waited a long time to say this. It's time to get your sequels pitched. Before Guardians Three comes out, let's hear what our pitchers think it should be about. 
Uh, and then after, just like Alien Sisters trying to please their overlord, they will battle it out. One winning hosting rights for the next episode, and the losers will get a piece of them replaced with machinery. And if you're wondering if I'm dirty enough to say the loser will have their penises replaced with microphones... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Microphone penis. No. <laughs> this is a family it show. It's not. It's it not. <laughs> Let's start with Matt. Please Ooh, me. Okay. <laughs> My title is Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> Volume 3. Surprise. Yeah. I do have a subheading. The Road to Nowhere. Oh. Mm. Extra points for a, a, a good heading. Thank you. This sums you. It very much feeds off the Christmas special. So, yeah, people, make sure you've watched that before you watch my sequel. The Guardians and their new base of operations are about to face up to a golden truth and a golden armada. An unlikely alley might may be the answer to their problems, or maybe they're an answer to his. <gasps> dun dun dun. Oh yeah, you do your blurb, Matt. That was my blurb. Yeah, no. We've been gone long. Drew, just put that in at the right place. Uh, Right. No. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Take it away, man. So we open up on a close-up of Quill's tape player with Guardians of the Galaxy Vol 3 on the tape. An energetic chord is playing as we watch a finger slowly reach down to click play. And then we're on the road to nowhere comes in. And we (laughs) zoom out to Quill and he's really confused. And he suddenly starts flapping and he ejects his tape, turns it round, sticks it in for side B. And then we hear a, basically a jacked up version of Road to Nowhere. Uh, that kicks in. And then we zoom in, see Quill and the Guardians facing off. Uh, we zoom out to see Quill and the Guardians facing off against a bunch of thugs and different ragtags and aliens. Um, basically, this is the prelude, the Battle of Nowhere. And that's going to take place over the credits showing all the different parts of the alien head, showing them beating different aliens, da-da-da-da-da. At the end of the credits, the Guardians are now claiming Nowhere as their base of operations with uh, the rest of the crew on their ship. Um, Rocket cites that it's uh, that so long as it doesn't bring doom upon them with this power shift, uh, that's cheeky, cheeky cap to the god Doom who kills the Celestial Nowhere uh, in the comics. <laughs> So just thank you. Um, and he's cool with this as their new base. Drask, Drask, Drax asks whether he's cleared it with Thor, as he's clearly the leader of the Guardians. Quill is really struggling with this uh, shadow of Thor still in this movie. But that's the only reference we have to Thor in my bit. The writers can add more. I'll just bring you the pitch. <laughs> he's back. So at that point, we cut to our first sighting of Adam and Aisha, who are watching the forming of the the Guardian's base. So they've got some weird camera, maybe. Um, and they see that they're on nowhere. Uh, maybe it's like a golden bug. So they know where they're going now and need to call to arms some followers. Uh, we then zoom out to see them. They're standing on a golden plinth. And it's over a race that are all bowing and worshipping them. Um, and Aisha turns to these to these creatures with Adam and beckons them to stand, raise their hands and bow to their new gods. Pandemonium whipping, followed by a montage of them rallying their ships, their troops. Uh, and then we see one little lowly native sneak off around some back of houses. Um, just to kind of give the idea that they are recruiting on their journey to take on the Guardians. Uh, so back on Nowhere. The team are drinking, celebrating their success, 
when a woman with some familiar kind of green skin and markings on her, she walks into the bar and she demands Drax tell her where Gamora is. Uh, they have a conversation around Gamora's death, Thanos, blah, blah, blah. And basically it ends with them scrapping in the bar and it sprawls out onto the streets. Uh, and the, the lady bests Drax. Uh, Drax is clearly quite drunk. And she's about to stab Drax when we hear Gamora's voice and it's kind of booming voice. She says, Angela! And basically she rocks up and she's kind of glowy and has this kind of cosmic vibe. She's very badass. Uh, Rocket at that point swoops in with a ship some reason uh grabs the guardians and gamora um and they whisk off just as this woman looks like she's about to attack gamora uh a note to you andy and to the listeners uh i'm pulling from multiple sources mm -hmm. so one of the sources is guardians of nowhere a comic yeah. book series uh the other one is legendary star lord and the black vortex the cosmic powers and obviously there's all the current mcu plotting too um you'll have to google it for more details sorry so Quill is basically in awe with Gamora this whole time. Mantis feels this and she's like, oh, really loud. <laughs> there's a bunch of lols at Quill's expense and Gamora smiles, but there's a familiarity to her smile this time around. So that's the kind of the end of act one. We jump into act two and there's kind of three groups. So the Guardians, they're still on Nowhere. They're in a base. They're trying to now find this Angela, this woman, to learn who she is, where she's from why she's there, etc. Gamora reveals that she's actually a childhood friend, um, but obviously they haven't seen each other since Thanos took her away. Uh, we get in drip feeds through Act 2 that Gamora has all of the dead Gamora's memories of all the characters, all their adventures and whatnot. And it all comes from this cosmic power, and that therefore means that her and Quill can get closer and closer once again. Really nice. We also have a lot of kind of Drax and Mantis relationship moments, kind of really seeing that continuation of that family bond between the two of them. Not that we're kind of building up for anything later or anything, but anything. Anyway, Angela is communicating with someone. We don't know who it is. She's getting frustrated um, that she feels like she's being used by this person who also seems to have a knowledge of both nowhere uh gamora and her cosmic powers um he says he knows someone kind of leave it at that adam and aisha they've unveiled uh sovereign uh and the allies fleet they're traveling slowly to nowhere not slowly they're traveling very quickly to nowhere but stopping <laughs> quite regularly um and they're garnering followers on routes presenting adam as a god and showing his incredible range of powers and how devastating he can be we end Act 2 with the Guardians receiving like a live stream video hollow thing. Uh, and it's a riot on a planet. And we see Aisha and Adam again. They're on this golden plinth. And then we hear the words beckoned, Join the Universal Church of Truth. Find true harmony and faith. What do you say? Motherfucker. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, let's be honest. If you're taking it from magazines, Magus, who is the evil Adam, yes. is basically the leader of this church. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. very sorry, Drew. I, I, ima sorry. I, I imagine we went on very similar Wikipedia paths. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. Uh, thank you. Sorry about that again. Um, why am I apologizing? This is fine. Fuck you. I went first. Why did you copy me? Um, find true harmony and faith. What do you say? Uh, that's beckoned by Aisha. And she's nearly struck with the thrown object, and then she kind of mutters the words, 
Discord it is then. And Adam begins to glow. He kind of goes into like a negative gold. So kind of like Galadriel does in Fellowship of the Ring when she reaches for the ring. Mm. Kind of vibing that kind of thing. And we just see this negative energy burst out of him. And it surrounds the whole planet, killing everything on the planet. And Damn. as that happens, it cuts the feed. And suddenly we're back in with the Guardians. And it's kind of like a seamless cut back to the Guardians who've just watched this. And suddenly it's like a, oh, fuck. So that's the end of Act 2. Act 3, I'm giving you three acts this film. You're welcome. Uh, it's the coming together of the powers. The Universal Church of Truth arrives at nowhere. There's a massive space battle. Uh, numbers, again, they, they're very much outgunned and outnumbered on nowhere, but the valiant defenders that they are, they seem to have the quality, and they're taking the numbers, bam, 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 cutting the numbers down. We see one of the alien fleets turn to flee, and Adam destroys the whole fleet in one wave. Um, one of the races that they've recruited, he just wipes the whole fleet out, which causes both sides to kind of freeze and panic. Um, we've got to move it onto the ground, so eventually they do so. And when he lands, Adam suddenly starts to appear from like some kind of power outage, so it just gives him that ability that he's not going to get fucked over, basically. Um, but he can feel this incredible power within the place that he's in. So he and the Guardians fight. He basically has one fixed route now. He's trying to find the core of this power. He completely disowns Aisha in the church in the process. He's completely fixated on this power core, whatever he can feel now. Uh, the Sovereign and Co., they all lose hope. Uh, basically, they all just fuck off. A load of the fleets just escape and go away. The Golden Army kind of left there, but Golden Army, that's Hellboy. Uh, the Golden Armada kind of like, oh, okay. Um, so then there we just focus on the Guardians and with Adam. And it, the intensity rises. They're fighting into the core of the Celestial Head. Gamora reveals her kind of cosmic powers on a Captain Marvel level now. Uh, she and Adam have a fight. We basically discover that Adam's determined to get to the brain of the Celestial, which is still giving off some core energy, um, which he manages to do so eventually. And the second he touches this core, he absorbs it. His power's magnified even beyond what it was and beyond Gamora's. Uh, there's a moment where Mantis is holding on to him to try and absorb this power and try and bring him back down. He's about to go and kill her. He kills Drax. <gasps> in doing so, Drax takes the bullet in the uh, metaphorical sense um, to save Mantis. Uh, the other's quite quickly defeated but suppressed. He's keeping them alive because he wants them to become his followers, his kind of like little guardian circle. Um, and at the point of despair, as they all feel like they're beat, a man suddenly appears to Quill, a very recognizable man. Uh, it's Kang, the Conqueror, who appears, <laughs> and he offers him a cosmic cube, which is something, again, referred to in the magazines, in the comics. Um, this cube, it's a celestial cube, and basically, as he holds it up to Adam, it completely absorbs all the power that Adam's just taken in, leaving him completely weak and vulnerable again. Um, but kind of as it does so, it triggers something in him, there's a load of like humanoid empathy and despair that washes over him all of a sudden. Almost like we're moving away from one character in the comics to a, another character in the comics. Um, and he's just he's completely distraught at what's happened and all the blood on his hands. We then move into a funeral for Drax. A um, load of kind of a montage of his best moments for the fans kind of shown through their memories and thinking of him. We see Adam 
writing in like he can still form things with his hands he's just got not the power for destruction and for violence anymore so he's writing in like a gold book that is formed and it's names and we just see these names and as you kind of zoom out we see how big this book is and next to his bed there's just hundreds of books piled up in this gold um we don't necessarily know what it is yet from the viewer but for the listener it is uh Adam's writing the names of all the people he's killed on every planet and just storing them as this kind of reminder of what he's done. Um, yet yeah, we pan out, we see all that. Uh, he's mourning, he's obviously crying. He writes Drax's name and a gold tear lands next to the name. Then the final shot of the main movie is that we see the Guardians looking out in the mouth of nowhere, watching Drax's body in that pirate funeral-esque quality again. A load of love for him. And then all of a sudden we have kind of like a lost style boom, blackout. (laughs) And then we fade back up to see Kang holding the celestial cube and he stares at it and the power within it. And then he looks up and it's a hologram of like the planet Earth and he smiles. Then we start rolling credits. Uh, Mid-credits scene one, we just have Groot and Rocket. We haven't really been able to give them much. We haven't really been able to give anyone much in this pitch. But obviously there'll be a lot more couch stuff. But we have a little quality humorous time together, no implications. Mid-scene two is Angela explaining to Kimura that it was some very quaffered limmy guy who loves blue reached out after they got into a bit of a tangle, asking for help to locate Gamora and bring her back to Terra. So this is like a super tease. Obviously, we're building up to the Fantastic Four, so that's meant to be Reed's Richards and the Fantastic Four reboot. But for the uber Marvel nerds, they may also think it's Beast from X-Men. Because <laughs> in the comic series where Gamora gets cosmic powers, Beast also gets com- cosmic powers because it's the Guardians X-Men team up. So it's kind of like a double tease. But for this franchise, we're teasing Reed Richards and uh, Fantastic Four. Then the end credit scene is Loki and Sylvie watching different screens of all the different clips we've seen of Kang so far obviously including one of themselves, and they're madly trying to work out which one is the Kang and what's going to happen next, tease Loki season two. Uh, <laughs> and I just thought I'd end this pitch with my, with my mixtape. Oh, so nice. All right. It's all about traveling, you know, on the road to nowhere, traveling, <laughs> traveling towards phase five and people traveling towards nowhere. So we've got Highway to Hal, ACDC. The long and winding road, the Beatles. Take me home, country roads, Don Dever. Don't stop me now, Queen. Run to you, Brian Adams. Run away, Bon Jovi. Should I stay or should I go, The Clash. Separate ways by journey. Since you've been gone by Rainbow. Here I go again, White Snake. We built the city, Starship. I think that's a good one for nowhere. Run to the hills, <laughs> Iron Maiden. Walk this way, Aerosmith. Jump by Van Halen. The boys are back in town, Thin Lizzy. Hit the road, Jack. Ray Charles and my hero, Food Fighters. I feel like my hero's probably Drax's funeral. Oh, that goes my hero. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, very good. Interesting. Yeah, I've got a couple of questions for you, I guess, then. Gamora's power. Explain this to me. And, you know, where did they come from? So, uh, going into comic book law here, um, there's a celestial, well, it's the ability to create cosmic. Um, beings, these kind of ultra-powered beings called the Black Vortex. Uh, it's in the Legendary Star-Lord magazine, and it's basically 
creating celestial beating heroes, people with the power of celestials, uh, but they're manufactured. Um, so Gamora gets these powers on her travels. We don't necessarily find that much out about them. Um, this is a new Gamora that we're introducing. Gives her a bit of badassery, brings her back in a way that is mysterious. And because this is new Gamora with old Gamora memories, I just wanted to work that in so we didn't have to constantly deal with that every time and have to restart a relationship and all that mess. So this was me cheating a little bit. But I also just kind of had this vision, how are you going to compete with Adam with the Guardians when they no longer have Celestial Peter? Um, they don't have an Infinity Stone, so I brought Cosmic Gamora in. Fair, fair, all right then. Um, uh, what's the ratio of like comedy to darkness in this film? Is this going to be the darkest of the three? or I think you can't avoid... You kind of have to keep the emotional weight of the films now because the second one ends really emotionally we see obviously quill has a real rough time of it in endgame mm. in infinity war so i don't think they can be as clean as the first movie anymore there's still going to be comedy there i was like the pitch for me was just about it's already three pages long and that's me just trying to hit the points of the film um there's naturally going to be comedy within the characterization within the writing of them um, you can have comedy moments with Adam and Aisha at the beginning, but obviously we don't want to take away from the fact that these are world-destroying beings. You don't really have comedy with Thanos, so I wouldn't really want to add too much comedy with Adam and Aisha. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, old poor Drax catches fate, mm. is that because Batista's talking about not wanting to do a fourth? Well, as, 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 as well, as, uh, is there a fourth in your universe, Guardians? It it's open, isn't it? Like they finish on nowhere. Um, they've dealt with the golden the golden armada, and they've dealt with sovereign. They've got Adam in a cell there, so obviously there is a call to have if you're keeping Adam, and you're bringing Adam Warlock, who becomes part of the Guardians. There's a door open there. Um, there's a door open to kind of move into Adam Warlock's Guardians if we keep Peter on nowhere, things like that. There's there's quite a lot of opportunity. It's been left open because obviously contracts are up if you're going to look at the production of it. A lot of the actors aren't signed up to new to more films after this, so it's up to contract renegotiations, but there's so much scope for how you can move on yeah. with them, without them, and it doesn't affect the timeline. Then, Very good. Thank you very much. Uh, Rostifer, let's go for you next, shall we? Okay, here we go. Mine is called Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. <laughs> horror. You copied me! <laughs> uh, I didn't write blurb, but I can make one up right now, and it's go for it. the gang um uh the gang <laughs> the gang do some stuff the gang are back <laughs> the gang are back uh, they, they meet an old friend uh, an old arch nemesis who uh, is doing something for someone else who's got a bigger plan. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. All right, take it away. Okay, we open the movie to the blackness of space, replicating the opening of Star Wars. A ship flies over the camera. It's the Guardian's ship, and they're being chased by a big Ravager ship or some bad guys. We then get some in cockpit banter between peter and rocket you know saying this would never happen if 
uh, we didn't drop off the Asgardian guy. Anyway, Peter tries an insane move, but it doesn't pay off, and they get captured. They all are lined up on their knees um, in the sort of prison or something, I don't know, in the ship. Um, and then the bad guy walks in. They ask him who he is, and he responds, I'm Laserface. Taserface's brother, <laughs> and you killed him. <laughs> and he's played by the same actor as well. <laughs> That's good. They all burst into laughter, even some of his own henchmen. Anyway, after they insult him a little bit, they bust out, escape the ship, and it blows up. But obviously, Defo Laserface survives, um, maybe to have him back in you know future installments. As they fly away, they get a distress call from nowhere. They fly there, and they're greeted by Howard the Duck. He tells him that the collector, after his defeat, and all his collection has gone, has become desperate and has taken on a job. Um, he hired a load of mercenaries and has travelled to Earth for something big to add to his collection. Um, they head to Earth, japing, japing along the way, you know, the typical Guardian stuff, you know, insert some <laughs> comedy scenes. When all of a sudden, they see a gold man in space hurtling towards them. Oh, shit, it's Adam Warlock. Yo. <laughs> yeah, they have a mini battle, but it, eventually they escape him. He looks super pissed. Anyway, they head to <laughs> Earth, and they think it's something... They probably think it's something to do with the massive fucking celestial that is poking out of the sea. Fuck you, Marvel. Why won't you reference this in your movies? <laughs> they head down there and they find that they have uh, tried to enter the head of the celestial. What follows is classic Guardians banter. They all try uh, and plan how they should go in. Peter wants to go in stealth. Jack wants to kill everyone. Rocket wants to blow everyone up. Um, after some time, they decide on Peter's plan and they sneak in and can add some funny comedy uh, hijinks here as well. Uh, eventually, after lots of walking, they end up where the heart should be. We see a gigantic core. We see the collector and his goons enter the core and, like Indiana Jones, remove something. It's an artifact, um, which is what... Um, which is what Matt copied me on. Um, the Guardians shout uh, to him, and they have a hilarious back and forth. The Guardians learn the Collector's been hired to collect a special artifact with the Celestial's core, within the Celestial's core. Uh, and in return, he can have all the treasures of the universe. Oh, shit, get his treasures back up. They have a fight. Adam Warlock then fucking arrives and fucks them all up. And the Collector, whilst all the madness is going on, gets away and then we insert a 10 minute chase sequence from baby uh fighting both adam the collector and the mercenaries anyway adam warlock is overcome by all the mercenaries collector and guardians oh and he gets oh he's fucking pissed now oh the collector gets away and the team look dejected they're like oh fuck we've lost him however rocket managed to attach a tracking beacon convenient to the collector's <laughs> ship. The collector arrives at a secret base. He enters, and there is a throne. And sitting on the throne is Thrain. It's Thanos' son. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> Thanos' son is here, baby. Uh, the collector tells him that he's done his job. Now he can, can he get the treasures? Thane 
uh, is it Thrain or Thane? Thane, I think it's Thane or Thrain. I don't know. My autocorrects has changed it to Thane. Um, uh, snaps the collector's neck and tosses his body aside. Uh, he cracks open the court and reveals a glowing orb, and he slams it into his chest. He pulses with energy. He does it. He does a bad guy speech to I don't know some goons or something, but it's mainly for the audience. And he says, I'm going to kill the Avengers for killing my fucking dad, yo. Um, I love that he's northern. I'm going to yeah. kill the Avengers for <laughs> killing my it's, dad. It's Sean Bean. It's Sean Bean. Well, he's dead. Yeah. In come the Guardians. Oh, shit. They arrive. They meet the bad guy. Thrain asks them. Hold uh, on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What's going on? What's going on? Yes, it is Thane. Sorry, I was just checking my notes. Um, <laughs> yes, Thane asks them if they are the Asgardians of the galaxy because mm-hmm. he knows that Thor killed his father by chopping his fucking head off. Um, they he go. They have like a backwards and forwards. They he probably says, "Well, you know, you're not the As Avengers, but I'll kill you anyway." So they have a massive fight, and then Drax is killed. Oh. Yeah. Drax Another is one. killed because he doesn't want to do any more movies. <laughs> so we have to get him out of here somehow. Thane leaves to pursue Thor. Uh, he learns about Thor maybe in this fight like from Peter or something. And then the rest of the Avengers as well, now that he's got this new power. Adam arrives, and he's, 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 he's late again. He's like, oh, fuck, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck <laughs> you guys. <laughs> And he's about to kill Peter. He like fucks everyone else up. And then he's about to kill Peter when the team are already down. Uh, he had, but then like Peter pleads with him to help him defeat Thane. Um, and then there, this can be extrapolated over a little bit more time. I'm just rushing it because we need to get on with it. But then he reluctantly does. He thinks, okay, fine. Um, I will help kill this motherfucker for some reason. Um, they chase after, eventually find him. They have a battle. Peter tries to reason with Thane, telling him, vengeance for your father won't get you anywhere and talks about the loss he's had. Uh, eventually, uh, Adam does the final blow um, and kills Thane, or maybe wounds him. I don't know. Depends if you want him to come back. He's only just been introduced, so maybe we want to keep him. Um, <laughs> the Guardians all mourn Drax's death. End of movie. Post credit scene, some Kang shit. <laughs> yeah. That was basically the uh, Quantumanium fucking <laughs> yeah. credit scene, just some Kang shit. Just throw some Kang shit in there. Yeah, throw some Kang um, shit. So I know in the podcast, in the pitch, you were running obviously a, a little long, and that's why you didn't go into why Adam Warlock reluctantly changed and stuff like that. But I, I, I know you've obviously thought about it extensively. So now oh, I'm giving you yeah. the time to uh, why, why, why would he just t- suddenly switch this, switch around? Yeah, you know, he does. <laughs> he, just, he, sees, he sees Peter's face and he goes... Leave it for the screenwriters. <laughs> yeah, he can find a way. He just, you know, they, he yeah. just looks at Peter's face, sees him crying a little bit about Drax, and goes, <laughs> I feel sorry for the little dweeb, and then wants to fucking uh, help him out. Big old guy. Right, I buy that, I buy that. Um, so why do you? What was the decision to go with Thane, Thanos' son, as the big bad? Well, I was thinking. I was like, 
do I make Adam Warlock the big baddie? And I was like, mm, I think that's going to be in this movie anyway. So I was like, I was trying to think of another way. Um, I was thinking maybe bring the 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 Kree back. Um, but I was like, mm, now they've been done. I was like, what else could I do? I was trying to find a bad guy, and then I was like, okay, maybe I'll do something like. It is going to be hard to intro a new baddie. I I grant you that, you know, in one movie. But they've done it before <laughs> in Thor: Love and Thunder. And he's not really, you know, and he, we don't have to kill him off. You know, I'm happy for a rewrite to happen if yeah. you want to keep him alive. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that was the best way to go and not make Adam Warlock the actual bad guy all the way. To have him like the chaser, you know, How I always think of him as the chaser. And then eventually they still he's still in the movie and he still has big epic fights and kills some people. But I think, you know him i need to get him on the side of the guardians because i want him in the next movie in their like group does that yeah. make sense yeah yeah and, yeah. and then have them have adventures He's so gonna, yeah kind of take the drag role i guess but not yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah um yeah i was gonna say drax another another poor drax he's biting it in every pitch so far um, oh yeah uh is that as well is that just because you know batista's out yeah, I think, you know, I think there has to be a death in the actual main Guardians. I know Yondu died in two, but I think there still needs to be a death in the thing to show, you know, these guys are vulnerable. Yeah. And I know they don't, they don't, and they don't do it really in any other Marvel, like, film. And I think this is the best way to do it, like, to show loss, to show that these guys aren't invincible mm. um, and they can die. By killing off the one actor that doesn't want to do any more Disney movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's it. I love, I love that you got the the ten minute chase scene there again. Yep. Always got to put that in. Insert. You need that on a t shirt or something, surely. I know. I should put it on the back of my red uh, sequel pitch shirt. Insert. Yeah. <laughs> chase scene. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, I think that's. Oh, for mine, it sounded say it's it sounded probably the same kind of likeness and comedy as in the other two. It's not taking a dark third turn, is it? No, nah, no. Nah, I yeah. think there is a couple of bits. You know, I want the brevity of it to be Jack's Drax's yeah. death. Um, there still will be character stuff in there. I know that that's on fucking Matt's lips at the moment. He's ready to jump in there <laughs> in the argument section. Yeah, you got no fucking character progression in yours. I held um, my hands up. I didn't have any in my pitch either. Don't worry. Yeah, well, there we go. That's oh, not Drew, what I'm Drew coming Drew. for you for. Don't worry. I got... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like there will still be that opportunity to, you know, work on the fact that, you know, uh, Quill's not got a father anymore and Yondu's died and, you know, his newfound finding out of Mantis and Drax feeling like, you know, he hasn't got that vengeance that he needed. You know, Groot learning to be a you know a teenager now, and all that stuff that you can put in scenes of travel and things like that. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Lovely stuff. All right, thank you very much, Drew. Take us home, boy. Take us home. What's your title okay. and blurb? If you've got it. I remember. Okay, this so mine is. You will be very surprised to hear. Volume four. Are you are you skipping three? Yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> skipping one entirely. Uh, it is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. And after Thor leaves the Guardians with a dearth of work, 
They have to reckon with what their lives look like without being guardians. But with the threat of the Sovereign and their creation Adam, the Guardians will have one final test of the strength of their bonds that they have forged. Ooh. And action. So, cold open on a new world, Cassus, a collection of people who are kind of, they're dressed to suggest that they're rulers of the planet are face to face with the sovereign fleet. Aisha, the high priestess, is in front of them and tells them that they face a simple choice join the universal church of truth <laughs> or face the consequences. Oh. The elders confer and tell her that they worship their own gods. It would be heretical to change their faith. Aisha smiles and says, Very well, Adam. She steps aside, and in the clouded, storming sky above them, a golden figure floats, glowing. His eyes go glow golden and bright. And then we cut to black titles. And as as we cut to black, we hear electric organ chords going. And it's Coldplay Fix You. Um, Quill is listening to it on his Zoom, which is his MP3 player, which has music all the way up to 2008 or whenever the Zoom was around. It was around then, I think. Um, he's looking at pictures of Gamora, um, who he still hasn't been able to find. The music swells. Quill started singing along really badly. We can still hear the music. It obviously cuts away and it's just him singing and Nebula, Rocket and Drax are all standing behind him. It's very embarrassing. Everyone has lots of jokes. It's very funny. And then Rocket taps him on the shoulder and he's like, it's time. They all go and suit up. It, they're like getting ready for a massive epic mission. Um, but then actually they're just flying around the outside of nowhere, blasting off space slugs that are kind of chewing on the on the celestial skull. And they start to get a bit bored and like it all seems a bit monotonous and mundane. But then Nebula, uh, of all people, um, turns it into a competition. And actually, they kind of had to have a great time blowing up disgusting, gooey space bugs. And we see the Guardians adjusting to their new life, uh, sort of effectively running a, a space port. Um, and they're adjusting to varying degrees of success. So Drax, Mantis and Groot are all relishing their sort of simpler, quieter life. Drax is especially happy running a daycare for travellers' kids at the way station. Um, but Nebula, Rocket and Quill are all way more restless. The former two have a, a sort of a feeling of deflation. You know, they were Avengers. They were protecting the galaxy during the blip. And Quill can't stop thinking of Gamora, no matter how much he distracts himself. But... Thor was so successful in like bringing godly power to the team. There's just fuck all for them to do, and they're just bored. Um, do 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 do. Um, however, of course, Quill's search protocols looking for Gamora return a ping, and Rocket and Nebula are like, "Yep, yep, yep, we'll come, we're coming, absolutely." And Kraglin comes out of loyalty to his captain. Um. Uh, in Quill, even though he's kind of not super keen on the idea of going. Um, the others elect to stay on Nowhere to keep the station running. Uh, they go on the Bowie uh, and they go to Xandar. That Bowie's the new ship, in, in case for people who haven't watched the holiday special, because a lot of people didn't, uh, listeners out there. Um, and they go to Xandar. They meet with the Nova Corps. We've got, um, we've got Glenn Close back. We've got John C. Riley back. Um, that something starts alerting in the background, but Quill goes off to find Gamora. 
Um, he finds her and they talk and Gamora's been working as a bounty hunter. She's enjoying her new life, kind of free from Thanos and being the, the deadliest woman in the galaxy. And Peter's sort of trying to talk to her and persuade her to come. But she she's like, no, look, the woman that loved you is dead. You and her were thrown together. You had a specific set of circumstances and experiences and it became something, but I'm not her. Um, she spent too long in the service of others and she just needs to exist on her own. And Peter sort of starts launching into this big rehearsed speech, but then people start running and screaming. Uh, Nebula and Rocket are with Nova Prime and, and John C. Riley when, of course, the Sovlin fleet arrives. Aisha appears and makes the same demand from the first planet, and someone in the background tells Nova Prime that they're detecting the same energy signal that was detected over Cassus with the fleet. Nova Prime tells Aisha that Xandar is not theocratic, they're free to worship whoever they choose, if they choose, um, and obviously Aisha doesn't take particularly kindly to this, so she sends Adam down uh, to capture Rocket and Nebula. Everything starts to go a bit Pete Tong. Quill and Gamora go, head back to try and save them, but they're forced to retreat, and uh, they leave a trail back to nowhere. Nova Prime is executed for not kneeling and seeing the people being killed. John C. Riley's character, thinking of his wife and his daughter, um, kneels and pledges the Nova Corps and Xandar in uh, as the new Nova Prime to the Sovereign. And the Nova Corps kind of joins their ranks. Quill and Gamora get the others and they're sort of being like, we've got to evacuate, we've got to get out of here. And Adam arrives well ahead with the fleet. And he's just Superman. They're, they they can't fight him. Nothing has any effect. He's just just standing there, taking whatever they can throw at him and just battering them down. He's rounding them all up to be taken to Aisha. And Quill then gives himself up as he knows he can't do anything without them. But he does activate a beacon on the Bowie. He gives himself up because Adam is just destroying nowhere indiscriminately. It's still full of travellers and civilians and kids. Adam stops when Quill comes out and we see he is just blindly following orders. His orders were get the Guardians and he's got them and he stops. He doesn't destroy the station until Aisha contacts him and tells him that he has to. And he just, he doesn't hesitate. As soon as she says it, he absolutely decimates the place and a lot of people escape, but not everyone did. The Guardians are all captured. Quill and Rocket, like it all disintegrates. The sort of happy family dynamic absolutely falls apart. Quill and Rocket have a massive fight. Quill is blaming Rocket again for stealing the batteries. Um, all the resentments come out that, you know, Quill became leader, but why? He, there was no reason for him. Quill still feels inadequate after Thor. Rocket knows that he's changed, but he's ashamed of what he's done in the past. Gamora is sort of subjugated and that's affecting her. It's all very, very bad. Quill does his best to get everyone back together and come up with a an escape plan. It fails but Gamora, doing her own thing, manages to escape. Aisha rounds them up. They can't find Gamora, and she's like, right, Quill, I blame, I blame you above the others. You're the leader of this group. We're going to Earth, and once Earth kneels or dies, then you will all be killed. Uh, the beacon on the Bowie finally comes back into play, and we see Sylvester Stallone and, hey. and, uh, and Michelle Yeoh uh, following the fleet, all cloaked and hidden. They intercept some communications, and they go ahead to Earth, to make a blockade. Gamora manages to get to Adam in his quarters as they approach Earth, and she's talking to him, and she tells him she lived a life of death, murder, and pain, and 
but now she finds herself with a new life ahead of her. She can choose who she is. Adam won't listen. He He's a god. He doesn't have to listen. But when she asks him if this is what he wants or if what he or if it's what he's being told to do, he kind of falters and lets her leave. As the fleet is approaching the outer the solar system, the Ravager fleet appears ahead to stop them. Gamora frees the Guardians as Adam and the Sovereign fleet start to decimate the Ravagers. The Guardians follow Gamora. Peter has to finally let go of trying to be the leader and follow her. They fight through the ship. They make it to the bridge. They're fighting to Aisha, so she calls Adam back. Adam sees Gamora there and stops and thinks for a second, and Aisha like, has a massive go at him. And as his emotions get more confused, he loses some of his power. And the Guardians see that, and so they go in on him, and Aisha gets angrier with him, so they start winning more. And it's getting really vicious. And they're kind of about to perform the coup de grace. And in the end, it's Rocket who stops them from killing Adam. And he has a big speech about redemption and found family. And it doesn't matter how you're made or how much pain or fear makes you lash out. You can choose to be better. And everyone sort of stops for a second. And then the spell breaks and Aisha's like, well, that was lovely kill them please now kill all of them but adam protects them hmm. everyone else the nova Corps, the other people that have been subjugated seeing that adam has gone sort of turn against the loyalists and the ravagers even though they've been decimated like start to come together and everything starts fighting back and the goodies win uh adam takes himself off into exile and penance peter finally being in the solar system for the first time since he since he was taken in 1988 decides to go back to earth to find his family and goes to see his grandfather um the rest of the guardians go with him hilarity ensues it's very awkward and funny and very touching peter decides to stay he wants to he he spent so long running away from his mother's death that he wants to be back on earth and the others don't feel the same and so they separate um we get a big montage of families reuniting all across the galaxy. The rest of the Guardians, as nowhere's been destroyed, end up settling on Xandar. Peter stays on Earth and he's sort of, he's trying to have a quiet life and he just, he can't do it. And in the end, he sort of says goodbye to his grandfather and takes off and goes back to space, finds them all. They stayed, the Guardians, but they're sort of part of the Nova Corps and everyone kind of has a happy ever after. Oh, okay. The end. The end. Okay. You got any um, actors in mind for Quill's granddad? Oh no, he's he's in the first movie. Yeah. Oh, was he? Um, oh, oh, you guys have the same person. He's not. Yeah, he wasn't oh, a, yeah, yeah. Uh, a recognized face. Oh, right. I thought you were gonna like stunt cast. He's, like I like. Hang on. I I know. Oh, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? This is not good. <laughs> not good radio. Greg Henry. Henry. Points are. Yeah, Greg, Greg Henry, Henry um, who thanks Matt, extra points for you. Yeah, like you'd recognize he's he's in loads of stuff. Um, yeah, no, I forgot he was in the first one. To be fair, that's why I thought you were going to put like a yeah, just a stunt cast. Yeah, no, like I'd a... get him back. Um, yeah. He, oh, fair, he okay. is still alive. He's seventy years old. Mm. He'd probably have to be aged up a bit, to be honest. Like yeah. he may be on his deathbed as a character when that happens. But yeah, I like. The, the second movie spends so much time like dealing with the fact that Quill never went back to Earth because that's yeah. where his mother died and I wanted to 
have that happen. And mm. there was, I think there was a deleted scene from the first movie or maybe even the second one that showed his granddad looking up at the stars, like wondering where Peter was. Oh. And I, I don't think it actually made it into any of the films, but that stuck in my mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously Quill's big thing is finding Gamora. Uh, and then he does go, mm-hmm. through your, go through your thoughts on, on that then. And they're, they're ending up where they, where they do. Like, I, I loved the way that they did it in the second film where they don't have the big romantic kiss and embrace just mm. Gamora acknowledges that there is some unspoken thing. And this is a, this is a, a universe where souls are like an actual tangible thing that can exist in a gem. And I, I kind of like the idea of Peter and Gamora being soulmates, but again, giving her that agency and, and acknowledging that she is a different person and, and her needing to this version of her, the the younger version who hasn't seen Quill go through all of that, needing to see him stop trying to take the lead and being willing to step away and stop chasing her. And so I would I would almost have their when they reunite on Xandar at the very end, it be a mirror of what happens at the end of the second film. And it's just a suggestion that maybe they are they they can be together that maybe there's enough about them that is compatible that it can work but i wouldn't make it explicit sure okay uh and then what about um because obviously yeah it's quite quill and gamora heavy what are all the other kind of characters doing as like nebula rocket Groot? how are they are they I mean, evolving or not like not a, not a bad thing if they do just kind of have side roles but like and and drax oh my god drax makes it doesn't he <gasps> yep. drax makes it way so oh yeah everyone like that and and are they evolving do they go through their own stuff or are they just kind of there for the the comedy and stuff like that? again not a bad thing i won't i'm just no no it's yeah it's i really struggled writing this pitch i really really <laughs> struggled with it um because i was it was so intimidating watching the second movie and and being like, oh, fuck me, a real professional screenwriter who knows these characters inside out can can do this incredible progression for all these different characters. I am not capable of that um, for this. I Ideally, hopefully, whoever comes in and writes this script would put something like that in, but it's, it is generally that kind of push and pull between them all of nebula and rocket want to be in the action and mantis and drax and groot kind of are a bit over it yeah um and they'll fight if they have to but they don't want to anymore and how they how they all kind of find a middle ground between them okay okay nice 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 well that's it for the pictures isn't it so lads it's been too long since you've said anything bad about each other so (laughs) let's not wait any longer Tell me why your pitch is the best and why the other two sucks. <laughs> Go for the balls. All right. Who's All right. Well, seeing as seeing as these two have already admitted that theirs don't have any character progression, I will just sort <laughs> of put that out there and say that mine does have some for at least two of the characters. Um, mine gets yeah, John Riley back. Like, uh, yours is an eighteen. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's no. an eighteen all the way through. Um, so shut up. 
What? Uh, so, <laughs> planet planet universe wide genocide in in Infinity War, not eighteen rated, but one planet being shown being destroyed. Hey, you mentioned is... children in yours. So <laughs> you mentioned... yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I mentioned them. We don't see kids getting blown up. Like They're Drax like makes Rossville. sure that all the kids get in an escape pod first. There we go. Sorted. <laughs> yeah. He does the, the mother hen bit. The orphanage. Not an orphanage. It's a daycare. <laughs> Daddy Drax's daycare. <laughs> I think you'll find my act two was filled to the rafters with character development as well. Um, so oh, I don't know it? what Drew's on about because Andy even had to expressly say to you, Drew, uh, so there's a lot of Gamora and Quill and what about the other guys in the Guardians of the Galaxy, not the Peter and Gamora of the Galaxy? I mean, so I made I it very... Like yours is a flawed argument there, but we'll, we'll let that one slide. Like, literally, I had I also had a section where they've all been captured and I went through how it's negatively affecting them all and how they're all kind of falling out and trying to work together, so or and failing. If you if you want to be saw that one in the second one, right? <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. We could do it again. All right, Matt. Okay, let's go with this. First oh. off, Matt starts off with a tape player which ego crushed to pieces. It's an MP3 player now, Matthew. Thank you very much. Also, Deus Ex Kang details. showing up. Small details. Deus Ex yeah, Kang appearing out Kang of nowhere to Hello. save the day. See you later. See you later. Also, there's, there's an infinite number of Kangs. Who said he doesn't turn up? He's a, he's a very powerful Which being. Kang is it? Uh, but, whoever, whichever Kang we want it to be. This is why having, this is why Loki and Sylvia are looking at the screens going. Which Kang, Kang the Conqueror is, is dead. Kang the Conqueror is dead. The last Kang. Okay, well, it could be another Kang. The the cannibal. Kang the cannibal. <laughs> and don't Kang matter. I haven't seen Quantumania. No, but... Get off my back, man. I'm Kang... a dad of twins with yeah, but... a broken knee. If, if, if a variant of Kang shows up in a post-credit scene and picks up the MacGuffin that was used that the Guardians had to try and get to save the day... That I'm fine with. Having him show up just in Act 3 and be like, here, I come to save the day, and then peace out is not good. It wasn't to save the day. It was to get the cosmic energy. That was the point. That was okay, why in my blurb I made the, day. the point of he saves the day for purely his own selfish reasons. Yeah, but he, he wants still, to power the core. He still just shows up from nowhere. It's just... Guardians, Guardians, Guardians. Hello, Guardians, Guardians, Guardians. Wow, we've got to do something for Kang Dynasty, haven't we? So, yeah, why not? Post-credit scene, Matthew. We can have him in a post-credit scene then. That's fine. Uh, no, you did, but only there, please. Or have him tied through the whole film. Someone will turn up then and give him the cube, if that's what Andy wants, but it's Andy's decision here. So, because in the comics, Kang does turn up and give him the cosmic cube. I'm using comic book law. Oh, wow, I, there okay. is yeah, right. You to, fucking looked in, on Wikipedia and went... To a million and one versions. I mean, that's yeah. kind of what you should do with a franchise, you, Ross. You I don't do. know if you're aware of all the law. In fact, the Sovereign are very rare because they were introducing the Guardians and don't have comic book lore. So that was quite cool. But I didn't want to keep doing that. I wanted to refer back to some solid Marvel fandom appeal that is where we got these S-tier films from in the first place. <laughs> and yeah. we use Adam, at least, at least Drew and I use Adam as a bad guy for like an actual oh, portion of the guy. film. As opposed to Thanos' son that's yeah. never been mentioned before. 
Yeah. He just shows up and then fucking dies. Can we, can we just have a thing about <laughs> the fact every that other Thanos villain is in done. every Marvel film? Yeah, every Marvel film dies. Yeah, but he's a villain who's intricately tied to the big bad of a huge number of films. We've we've met his two daughters and the 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 his other sinister assassin children. And like, where's this dude come from? Like there's there's it was so on, much. Mate, he was having a gap year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We might have a look. All right, we'll do a Disney series. Okay, we'll do a Disney series. Living ah. about his, you know, his his upbringing and where he was, where he went in his gap year, ah, and then how he ended up, you know, on a throne. Uh, anyway, you two had like 15 minutes with your fucking pitches. Yeah, I had at least under 10 in mind. Matt's was like fucking. An essay. So you got called out for the flaws in your pitch. Oh, yeah. I thought I'm gonna give there you no a flaws in my pitch. Maybe pitch. No. And you said, oh, well, you can actually get to do this, so I'm gonna give you even more time. And even then, you went. You might as well just held your hands up and gone. I didn't think about that bit. That's not my problem. <laughs> no, I did um, think about that, just not very much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've got bigger things to worry about. Yeah, how to kill him off. Yeah, that's my biggest worry. That I, I like, good lord, like researching Adam Warlock and mm-hmm. and being like, what are his weaknesses? Yeah. And they're just like, nah, nah no, doesn't, doesn't really have any. <laughs> I, I found like one tangential reference on a website that is probably completely unofficial. That was like, oh, when his emotions become in turmoil. He he loses some of his power. I was like, right, well, that's literally the only thing I've fucking found. <laughs> so that has to happen now. Jesus so that Christ. That was where the Cosmic Cube came from. I had to work the Cosmic Cube because it's the only <laughs> thing that I had reference of. They take away evil Magus and leave Adam Warlock at the end. Yeah. I was like, well, how do I do this? Because he's so clearly <laughs> a bad guy with no, no qualities other than he was manufactured to destroy. Hey, Andy, uh, you should pick mine because I... Reference the big old head in the ocean, which is the Eternals uh, head, yeah, which no one else mentioned. Uh, and I also, you know, I don't make uh, Adam Warlock the bad guy. He's a sub-bad guy um, with a lot right. more layers that I want to explore later on, not to make him the bad guy murdering children like Drew. <laughs> Child murder. I love it. Yeah, you, yeah. Drew, how dare you blow up nowhere and not any yeah. other? Like, I'm with Ross on this one. I definitely don't do that in my film. Um, but I, I feel like Ross kind of swims too far away from the direct setup with Guardians 2. Um, how? So, because you just go, oh, Adam Warlock, the guy who's so clearly designed to cause destruction. Yeah, but he's all right. He's all <laughs> right. We just Drew did, the, Drew did the exact same thing in his pitch. Drew did the exact big, same thing. He has thing. big fights and near destruction and genocide first, which is kind yeah, of kind of Adam in Warlock's the, thing. In the, in, the, in the chase scenes, he's going to fucking kill people. Okay, when they're chasing, they're, they, <laughs> he as he's flying, a child <laughs> runs across the road and he splats into it and it just oh god evaporates. the boys style now you're an 18 yeah. mate yeah. now you're an 18 <laughs> there you go so, so now you have to pick mine because apparently i'm the only non-18 film <laughs> is quite an 18 either um but you should pick mine because it has deep bedded roots of marvel franchises and marvel narratives and there may be a couple of little tweaks 
from someone who has seen Quantumania and seen every film <laughs> up to this point to be able to make things a little bit better. But I'm giving you a little Fantastic Four teasing. I'm throwing back to some series too. Like, think Kevin Feige, you got to have a picture like four films ahead and four products ahead. I'm giving you plenty of that in abundance. you got so much you can do at the end with Adam Warlock. It's a really open ending where the other two are quite clear endings and got different different avenues they want to take. I'm giving you Mantis and Jack stuff. We're dealing with the sisterhood. We're dealing with all sorts. You know, I've just got the complete package for you, Andy, is what I'm offering. He's not going to... Are He's kind not of Kevin Feige. Why are you pitching him fucking TV shows and sh- and fucking sequels? He wants to know because what every every director and every producer. He's a producer. He needs to know how he's going to get in good with Marvel and get a shitload more mo- work and money from a movie. And I can do that. You two yeah, aren't giving yeah. him fuck all to make him a career. This is a young about, upstart yeah. producer sat in front of me oh, well, who is hungry <laughs> and eager for it like I am. And I'm going to carry him to the top with a fucking S-tier Guardians <laughs> film again. All right, he's, if we're doing the metatextual, the metatextual stuff, what I'll say is Guardians of the Galaxy in the MCU is James Gunn. James Gunn mm. is now DC for the next 10 years. Oh, he geez. is not coming back after Guardians 3. These characters are not tied to the quantum realm. They're not. They. They like. There's. There's very little that's interesting that we can do going forwards. It's way more interesting to give these characters an ending, which we've had for Iron Man. We've had for Cap. We have sort of maybe had for Thor. Like the the MCU is evolving. The Guardians have had their time. Give them an ending. Whilst they're still in the Nova Corps and you can still get them to show up if you can if you've got the money to get them in for a cameo in the next No, uh, don't in, pick in Drew's Kang Dynasty. Don't pick Drew's because Drew just goes he does this lovely moment where Quill's like, Yeah, yeah, I'll go home and then go ten minutes later. I'm bored now, oh, actually. I'm gonna go back. That's shit. I'm going. <laughs> no, it's not it's not that it's shit. It's that he he needed closure. He goes home, he sees his grandfather. His grandfather gets closure. Peter experiences where he came from, and he—he—he—it's a cathartic moment. But he needs to be with his new family. He needs to be with his chosen family, oh, and he grandpa. chooses to go there. I close out Peter's story. I close a story for all of them. I get fucking John C. Riley back. I've got Glenn Close back. I Peter Quill well, goes Max back to Earth. Yeah. Come no, on. None of that's a point. Hey, you I don't have laser face. We already have we have disgruntled Marvel fans, and then you're gonna say and they all lived happily ever after <laughs> with a sweet little bow on it, like yeah. <laughs> I'm going to DC, I go to James Gunn at that point. I am done with this puppy shit. All right, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Unless anyone's got any, unless anyone's got any uh, final jabs, let's stop I it. I do there. like laser face, I'll give you that. Yeah, <laughs> and I do yeah. like John C. Riley coming back, I'll give you that. Yeah. I'm still the best okay. one, so fuck you both. <laughs> also, yeah, props, <laughs> Matt, for for getting the, the Church of Eternal Truth. High five, anti religious chaps. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can say you, yeah, during Matt, you had very similar pictures in certain places. Um, you all had very good intros. I like the intros. Uh, Matt, uh, yep, good intro. Well done for the life church. I I like the whole kind of uh, trying to conquer. Um, I really like Drax six Drax uh, Drax's uh, sacrifice for Mantis. Definitely shows um their relationship. 
Uh, yeah, a little iffy about Gamora and the power and how it's a bit unexplained. And also, yeah, the day of sex kind of Kang is a bit like, okay, that's a way to go. Maybe it was set up or something in the yeah, earlier probably in the wouldn't film. have used Kang if I knew he was dead. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> but hey-ho. Well, um, he's, dead. he's not dead. I mean, he's not dead, dead. Yeah. He's... He'll he might still yeah. be alive. There's, door, some rumors. there's an open door. Is all I'm saying. That's it was. I'm yeah, I say it was. It, it was good. It was. I enjoyed it. Well done. A lot better than your normal work. I'll say that. Well done, Mr. Ross. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, good lord! Thank God, I had six. Can I have another six weeks after no. this episode, please? <laughs> it was just because you were talking about something uh, the other uh, a minute ago, and I remembered in the in the last film how uh, not, not the last one we did. Sorry, uh, maybe the one before where your. What was the one where you, your your like main character was a mind reader, but we didn't find out until the next movie? <laughs> That's what like something someone just said something like that, and I was just like, it just, <laughs> um, yeah. If it was a bit like a, uh... I just okay, so I have to drip feed you every part of my film. That's fine. I'll work on that. It for still you, makes Andy. me I laugh. There was a mind reader, but I we don't apologize. find out. Until the I'm next... not allowed any mystery in my films. I apologize. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's just uh where where did she get them from? But all right, we're moving. I told on. you. Yeah, I know, I know, you but... can discover that later. Yeah, I know, I know, but like in terms of the film, too late. Too late. Too late. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's fine, but maybe a bit more of a lead or whatever. But anyway, um, because your Andrews was quite close, I'll do Drews next. Like the intro, didn't like Coldplay. Big cross against that. Um, yeah, I like the Life Church, like Matt's for the whole kind of like join us or die. Um, I liked Rocket's speech. Well, he was the one at the end to give the speech. Uh, kind of showed his his kind of uh, change. Um, da- <laughs> Drax's daddy daycare. Yeah, of course. I love that. How could you not? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends how long um, we see. Or is there going to be a montage of, of Quill going back to Earth? Or I get, I, I, I get where you're going with the closure idea. Um, and I was honestly going to th- thought when you went back to Earth, I thought you were going to make him stay there. And I was a bit like, oh, that's a bold choice. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see where you're going. It's, it's, it might just be in terms of a, yeah, in terms of closing up, I guess it's, it's good. It's, it's a little, how long do we spend? How long do we spend on it? Yeah. Is it a montage? Basically, do we see him and his granddad? How much time is dedicated to like all this? But anyway, that's, that's more of the, the script thing. Um, Ross, yeah, like your style was opening. Love Laser Face. Love Howard the Duck. Well done. Um, yeah, Adam Warlock was didn't I didn't feel Adam Warlock was as powerful as the other two. He he turned up late sometimes, and he kind of was outwitted sometimes. Um, <laughs> and I like Thane, but maybe not the best overall <laughs> villain. Um, so, but I say I still I still liked it, and um, it was a uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it felt like a bit. I fe- Felt more like a second, maybe, to me than a third ending film. Um, but it's very close, very close this week. I'm going to give the win just to Drew, even though he had Coldplay. <laughs> he, uh, oh. he he won me round with, um, yeah, kind of the ro- like Rocket Speech, Life Church. Nice character progression, even, like, even though maybe some of them are for comedy. It's, it's I say, I, I get the closure thing, and I really like it. It's just how how long... Uh, how long did you do it for and stuff like that? And yeah, but we could end on Guardians three with Drews and not continue and stuff like that. But there we go, there we go. It's when I know Matt's just about to bite my head off, but um, <laughs> you were very close, Matt. It was just yeah, as I say, you're still, I, I love. It's really hard when the pictures are um, well. Just hey, who's, the, who's second and third? Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> we'll shit, yeah, we do that, that now, don't we? Drew now. Well, oh, Drew. Well, Matt's second. 
Um, Fuck you! <laughs> no, Ross, you're very, very close, but it is... Oh. I, 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 yeah, Drew's and Matt's were, were my favourite. I just... The overall villain... Um, if you had a, a bit of a backstory to why he was in there in the last couple of films, maybe that would have helped. Um, but what a hard character for everyone to kind of deal with Adam, Adam Warlock. Yeah, literally, how do you... How do, you can't kill him. Uh, well done for trapping him and stuff like that and turning him and stuff like that. And Drew, Drew's kind of like way he turned Adam Warlock was just slightly better than yours, Matt. I mean, I uh, didn't intend to turn him. I just intended yeah. to have him as a different character at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've got fair more play. money that I want to make out of Guardians, but that's okay. That's cool, bro. You want to close we'll it off? We'll take our ideas, DC. Yeah. Oh, all right. Man. I'm getting James Gunn now. I've got to go. I can't believe the winner, the winner has a Coldplay song in their fucking pitch. Well done, Drew. You fucking picked it. it I know. The, it I know. Comic you, well, deliver a better pitch and I'll pick yours. Uh, um... Right, tell us what we are reviewing and pitching next episode. So, I what I'll say is, I'm especially glad that Ross didn't win. Yeah, yeah. Because... That didn't play into my voting at all. Um. <laughs> because there's, there's a little film called Fast 10... Oh yes! The, the, oh the, yes! The, the beginning of the end of the beginning of the road begins and ends. The beginning of the end of the road, which the beginning of the end of the road doesn't make any. Oh well. And <laughs> so, in in anticipation of surely one of the biggest cinematic events of the year, of oh, the yeah. decade, quite mm. possibly, uh, I want you guys to watch Fast Nine. And pitch me your versions of Fast and Furious 10. Yeah. Oh my Congratulations, God. Ross. Bring back the RCU. If any listeners hasn't heard our Fast 8 episode, please go back and listen. You're going in, you're going to enjoy the next episode. I can't wait for our review section. It's going to be about three hours long. It's going to be longer than the movie. But yeah, it's, a, it's just a chance for us to go fucking mental with pitches. I've already got like seven different pitches, which I'm going to just shove together. It's not going to make any sense. It's going to be like a perfect Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, right. So we want to say a big thank you to everyone listening. We are so excited to be back and prove why we're better than the Hollywood writers who get paid millions to do this. Uh, head over to at sequel pitch on Twitter and let us know on the poll who you think should have won uh, and who had the best pitch and what you hope to see in Guardians 3. And go to patreon.com forward slash sequel pitch where you can donate and become a pitch pal hey, and get this yeah. whole episode and get just the review, the full review section. So Drew adds three big fat pitch points to the scoreboard where at the end of the year, the person with the most points will be crowned pitch god. It's two well-portioned points to Matt and our participation point for Ross. And even though I hosted the shit out of this episode, I get nothing. I would even take a round of applause from my friends. Uh, you, you, <laughs> than you regularly do. Yeah, you, you, you presented better than you regularly do. So congratulations. <laughs> So just like my belly button, we are outie. It's a goodbye from our winner, Drew Toynbee. Goodbye. And runner-up, Matt Rushton. Bye. And third place, Ross Harmston. We're the sequel pitches of the frickin' galaxy. <laughs> and I didn't say frickin'. <laughs> yeah. And I'm Mary Poppin' Joe. It's remember, in times of hardship, <laughs> we are group. Goodbye! Yeah. Bye! Bye. Bye. Bye.